Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I'm sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez and Tom Dorian, and we Ziggy Rodriguez. Ziggy, oh yeah, sounds like a baseball name. You know what's so neat is he's actually going to go as um, Ziggy, obviously of fame for Ziggy Stardust, and so he he's going to go dressed like Ziggy Stardust for Halloween, which I think is kind of neat. That is cool. Yeah, David Bowie at his best. Ziggy Ashtadust is what I'm going to call it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew you'd make a, a good Catholic joke out of that. That was perfect. Well, look, so uh, I've mentioned Halloween because it's right around the corner. Yes. In right? fact, people are probably getting ready tonight for some Halloween parties. That's right. Uh, there'll be people who are dressing up for either for their work parties or they'll be getting their... Their kids are already planning costumes, and my kids have always planned... Co- I mean, for like six months out, they're like oh, going, yeah. Dad, I think I'm going as a whatever, and it's like, no, you're not, because that involves me... <laughs> And like fashioning things out of you know barbed wire and things. it's like I'm not going to weld anything for your costume. That's just not going to happen, right. right? So ultimately, they end up going as a hobo, you know, because you can just whip it together hobo costume, you know, right off the you know bat. But the thing is, kids love Halloween, and 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 this time of year always gets good Catholic folk kind of confused, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also there's a potential for a little problem here with evil and and so we want to talk a little bit about halloween but from the perspective of you know is it okay right mm-hmm. is it okay to celebrate halloween in the in the traditional sense in which people normally this day and age especially the secular world celebrates halloween so obviously with the parties with the scary movies with the scary music with the scary stories with the trick-or-treating with the costumes and all that kind of stuff is that okay and that's what we want to kind of really kind of address but also that sort of bigger deeper question and that is is there such a thing as spiritual warfare is does satan really exist and, yes. and well so we want to talk about that and and are we in a in a very maybe seemingly innocent way allowing the devil into our lives mm-hmm you know, is there a real risk of that? Or are you going to say, oh, are you kidding me? If I put a little witch's hat on my, you know, six-year-old girl and she goes prancing around the neighborhood collecting, you know, Milky Ways, is that going to let the devil in? And so we want to talk about that. Good topic. That's a great yeah. topic. So the short answer is yes. So don't, your six-year-old, don't, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be way too easy. Maybe we should just start, first of all, I want to remind people something. that People don't always remember like where the word Halloween comes from, why it's called Halloween, and that's because it's essentially All Saints Day is the next day, mm-hmm. the Feast of All Saints, uh, and it's a Catholic feast, and in the olden days... It was the Feast of All Hallows, so that's why it's Halloween, mm-hmm. right? Hallows, All Hallows Eve right. became Halloween, and so Halloween essentially is the night before All Saints Day, and we know that because all of our Catholic kids get out of school, right, that next day. Mm-hmm. And so th- th- that's it's ultimately Halloween is a Catholic feast. Does this mean that I can call Christmas Eve Christoween? Yeah, <laughs> but that's a whole other show. <laughs> Now, that, that goes in the category of bad Catholic jokes. So <laughs> That's why we love him. It's like so, Ziggy Ash to dust. So, so we need to talk about this for a second, because if 
if it's a Catholic feast, then now all of a sudden, does that mean that everything goes on Halloween? Like, what does it become? In the same way that, well, you just brought up Christmas. Does everything go on Christmas? Because you start thinking like, well, that's a religious, sacred... I mean, it's the incarnation. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, but has it become very commercial? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't think that they were there in the stable on that evening. It's not yes. biblical. Well, Rudolph might have been, but Frosty would have melted. There's no way that Frosty, without some kind of Christmas miracle, there's no way. It was a pretty cold night, though, wasn't it? Probably not that cold. But the point is, it's become secular in many ways. Mm -hmm. But we have still managed to maintain the sacred nature of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we struggle with that every year. Right, I mean, I put up a Christmas tree, and, and we're all, and we have shows about where all of these traditions and rituals come from, and how it's very, actually, quite beautiful. But I will say, with Halloween, it's like anything else; it's gotten very secular. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's gotten quite gross and over the top. Right. So, in a nutshell, I mean, what do you guys think about like the costumes? Well, there's some costumes that I think would be uh, serious cause for concern, just in terms of matters of modesty, for example. Uh, yeah, I made you take back that uh, the the French made one. I said, yes. that's, Sam, that is inappropriate. Thank not. you, by the way. I appreciate yeah. that. that was- <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, have we, we we live in a hypersexualized culture? Yes, right. And so there are people that are wearing things like uh, you know the devil in me kind of thing, and they're just really promiscuous looking kind of costumes that that are accentuating uh, you know our, our sexuality and that. That's a problem. Oh, and, right I think, and, and it can also put pressure, I think, on, on young women to uh, to show off their sexuality in a way that may not resound with their conscience uh, as yeah, well. well. Yeah, and certainly it's going to put pressure on some young men, too, to, to maintain yeah. uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the beautiful, uh, the beauty, the innate and uh, human dignity of the person standing in front of them. Right. Yep. And so for that reason, it's, it's just important that that's one place we can't go. Right. right. And so our costumes shouldn't go there. What about like the headless horsemen and the you know the what about the ones where like there's something oozing out of the where there was a head and now there's something some gory gooey bloody something you know they've gotten some really gory costumes right y'all, y'all I'm not a big gore fan so like you don't like the gory stuff I don't like it right well you know it doesn't necessarily bother me too much but I can see how I think you know. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us, you know, virtues in the middle. I think anything can be taken to excess. Mm, and, good point. You know, yeah, very, very good point. So again, you know, when it gets to the gore stuff, I'm not as worried about the gore stuff because you know, kids love gory stuff. You oh, know, yeah. right? It's like the Friday the Thirteenth movies and and those uh, scare movies, the Scream basically movies. They they get really gory, and I I, I don't like mindless, senseless violence. So I, I'm not a big fan of the ones that get extreme with. You know, it's like, oh, that's nice, man. Look, it looks like your head got whacked off there. That's really cool. You know, I'm not really a huge fan of those because I think that goes a little too far. But at the same time, we we have to remember that, um, you know, Memento Mori, we did a whole show on mm-hmm. remember your death, mm-hmm. right? And so the idea of having, like, skeleton bones uh, and things that are sort of ghoulish, you know, is is kind of within our Catholic teaching. You know, it's it's okay to go as a ghost, you know. Um, because I, I think that we want to be reminded of our own mortality, but at the same time that there are demons in the world. Now, we don't want to represent ourselves as demons to the point where we're 
uh, lauding and approving of and thinking it's great to be evil. Or in the same in the same token, reminding ourselves and others of our own mortality versus bringing in the culture of death. You know, on the other hand, you know, yeah, I think that you know Plato tells us in the Apology. Uh, which, you know, he had a big influ- influence on Catholic theology. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Did he go trick or treating? Do we know? <laughs> <if> we- <laughs> I don't know. But well, Plato, Plato said an unexamined life is not worth living for a human being, and I think our Catholic faith. Uh, really encourages us to examine our life and the decisions that we make. And I think that a person has to look at their own decisions and decide, am I, with this choice that I'm making as a costume, what's my intention here? What's yeah. my purpose? And I think that dressing intentionally in a way where you, you've prayed about it and you're exercising discernment, that's a great start. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know, and it's going to look different for different people. Uh, and it's going to be a different experience for different people, and that's okay. And so it's a good teaching moment for parents, like mm-hmm. with with helping their kids pick costumes. So if they want to go like as a Star Wars character and things like this, I mean, I encourage it. That's great. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Even if they want to go as, you know, Darth Vader or Darth Maul or one of these uh, Sith lords or something, you know, that that's not necessarily a bad thing. If we understand, like, the goal of this is to get as much candy as possible, right? That's a, that's a good goal. But if, you're, if your goal is to get um, wasted and pick up chicks, you know, that's a problem, right? Because we're, what are we doing at this, at this party or, or when we're going trick-or-treating? What, what are the things that we're doing? So we, we, I would just, you know, I would think it would great, be great to, to put some thought into what we're doing and just don't let the kids run amok. Right. Oh, and the mischief aspect, too, in terms of the vandalism and some of the stuff that happens. Well, you don't happens. want to do that kind of stuff at all. Throwing yeah. eggs at doors and Mm-mm. whatnot. Yeah, that's a problem. Now, as I got older and I started owning the property that had toilet paper all over the trees or egg on the door, I was mad. But as a kid, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. But So you have to realize that we all grow up and, uh, and, and that's going to be our stuff that we're destroying. But still, as parents, we have to be aware of what our kids are doing and how they're doing those things. And so it, it's, Halloween's a good time to sort of have those conversations with your kids, to it take is. a little an active role, you know? Yeah. Now, who would have thought, though, that a discussion about Halloween would, would be, you know, would have like Thomas Aquinas and Plato brought up. Great, this, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm waiting for Socrates is coming in next, you know. Uh, I'm sure well, technically, that was Plato's Socrates who made the quote in the okay, apology. Right, <laughs> You're showing off now. <laughs> so, so I think we, we, we've probably uh, we've probably said that trick or treating is okay, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. generally, if it's done right. I mean, it's done in the way that right. should be done, and right. within well, reason. Well, and one one thing to throw out there is there are some parishes, especially those who are in you know some bad neighborhoods. Uh, we have a couple of parishes in Memphis that that fit this bill. What they'll do is a trunk or treat. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an alternative to where if parents in underprivileged backgrounds they don't. Uh, really want their kids to knock on doors, um, then they can o- they open up the well, church really, parking lot. Well, really, nowadays anywhere, anywhere, right? yeah. Um, and, the, and and it's nice because you just you know, and just like there's so little distance between bowls of candy, you know? right? <laughs> right. Like, it's a it's a nice way to to make a big haul, but also as you're pointing out, it's a safer experience. It is, and so you can set up cars with trunks full of candy where, that are run by the parishioners, and you know it's an alternative. Maybe some kids would find that to not be quite as fun. Mm-hmm. But it's a way to bring the neighborhood onto the church premises and get and to know people. I guess you should also be aware. Now, this is also an opportunity sometimes for some other faith traditions to have like fall parties, and it's an it's a it's an opportunity for them to evangelize. So just be aware that your little Catholic child going around trick or treating at some of these block parties, it might have 
um, the goal of teaching your child something that might be different than what you are raising them to be. Which is why maybe members of our uh, audience might want to get this kickstarted at their own parish. There right? you go. That's exactly right. Our parish has a trunk or treat, and I think it's a good it's a good thing to do. We have so much more to talk about here with uh, with Halloween and Satan. Um, if we can combine those two things. Um, uh, before we uh, talk more about that, though, we want to take a break. Um, and before I even want to take a break, I want to tell people they need to uh, visit us on the web, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love for them to, uh, to find us on social media. Uh, on Facebook and to share our posts as well yeah. and, and to like our posts and help um, get expose other people to the show. Awesome, awesome. We'll do that. And then certainly uh, uh, send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com or that. We'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Throughout history, Catholics have contributed greatly to the development of society, promoting government based upon justice and the dignity of the human person. One prime example of a great church statesman was Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Born in 1150 in Lincolnshire, England, Stephen studied theology in Paris. His piety and love of God won him the respect of other clerics, including the future Pope Innocent III. He was elevated to Archbishop of Canterbury in 1207. At that time in church history, the books of the Bible were not subdivided. Typically written in scrolls, the only separation would be a space at the end of each line of sacred text. Archbishop Langton divided the books of the Bible into chapters so they could be more easily referenced and studied. These chapter divisions are the ones still used today. With a strong personal devotion to the Holy Spirit, Archbishop Langton is also credited with authoring the prayer, Vini Spiritus Sanctus, or Come Holy Spirit, which is often part of the liturgy at Pentecost. This love of the scriptures and devotion to the Holy Spirit guided Archbishop Langton to have a profound impact upon the development of human rights. At that time in England, there was a great political crisis as the reigning King John had rescinded several of the rights granted to barons by his predecessor, King Henry I. Archbishop Langton led a group of barons in a struggle against the king. Furious with the archbishop's actions, the king declared anyone who followed the archbishop a public enemy. But the clergy of England, as well as the pope, were fully supportive of Archbishop Langton. Several negotiations occurred among the parties to try and secure the rights of barons against the king. Ultimately, in 1215, Archbishop Langton led a council of churchmen in Westminster, which drafted the Magna Carta, the first great statement of individual liberties, which was ultimately signed by King John. This great statement of rights is the forerunner of other codifications of rights, including the Bill of Rights which is part of the American Constitution. Archbishop Langton should serve as an example to Catholics in our modern day to study the scriptures, seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and stand up to oppressive governments to protect the rights of all persons. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history.
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. And I'm sitting here with uh, Ziggy Stardust. He's already got his costume on <laughs> for Ziggy Halloween. Ziggy Ash to Dust. Ziggy Ash to Dust. That's not the, the Catholic version that David Bowie's uh, character. And, of course, Tom very, Dorian. Very creative, Ziggy. Very <laughs> creative. You. I love it. I love it. Um, ground control to major tone. <laughs> So uh, we are talking about Halloween, and we're but we're but it's sort of a bigger thing. Like, what what is the, what are the do's and the don'ts? But how does that fit into our Catholic theology in terms of like what's okay and what's not okay? And I think maybe you know we've talked about trick or treating and kind of like that's kind of okay generally. And uh, Thomas Aquinas would tell us to stay in the middle, stay in the middle. Don't start going left or right. Just stay in the middle. That's how you stay on the boat, by the way. You know, port or starboard. In the is of the boat. That's right. Because <laughs> if you fall overboard on either side, it's bad. It is bad. So, um, uh, so that being said, we 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 are going to start talking now a little bit about Satan. You know, <laughs> I, I there is a, there is a um, there is a large element of the world I think that, especially in secular society, that doesn't believe in the devil, does mm-hmm. not believe the devil exists. That thinks that it is a uh, this the concept of the devil is really just some kind of ancient, old, uh, dusty old idea that just doesn't even have make any sense anymore empirically, scientifically, et cetera, et cetera. Now, conversely, they also would think that the that God doesn't necessarily exist. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you press them on these kind of things, they they don't know the answers, and they, we tend to see people are generally agnostic, but. Agnosticism becomes a problem when you're talking about the devil. That's funny, though, because I think that they would probably admit to recognizing that evil exists in the world before they would uh, agree to admit that holiness exists. Well, they'll say that certain people, you know, you're right. They'll say that certain people are evil. You know, and I'm going to be honest with with you. Even though they might say that holiness doesn't exist, I think that they would recognize certain people. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you see a nun... And in generally in the secular, I was just going to use her as an example because she is somebody who everybody saw and said, "Well, that's holiness. that little she's a do-gooder right there. She's a she's a good and there's something good about her, mm-hmm. right?" And they would think happy thoughts about the pretty little, cute little, wonderful, beautiful little holy nun, mm-hmm. right? They might think they're naive or something, you know, when it comes to the ways of the world. But the reality is, they would say something good about them. They would have a similar reaction as the Roman centurion, where didn't exactly have an explanation. We don't know why he said it, but he said, "Surely this is a son of God." So, surely this is a child of God. Right? They would have a reaction that would be an innate reaction that would be sort of written on their hearts, but they wouldn't know why. And but as they try to reason it out, they don't figure out how it works. But the problem is. When it comes to Satan and the devil, first of all, they'll laugh at you that there's an actual personage, you know, right. that is the devil, the fallen angel, the mm-hmm. the bad guy, right? They might think there's a sense of evil, but they wouldn't know where it comes from in the same way they don't know where good comes from. And so they wouldn't acknowledge any sort of danger in doing things like seances and Ouija That's boards. That's right. And see, and Halloween is a time where we start delving in those things just because we're having a little party. And what, what's a good party game at Halloween? Well, then you start thinking of those kind of things like, well, the Ouija board or mm-hmm. even simple things like doing horoscopes and things like that. You know, there's there is a there's a sense in there that that it, it, it dances with the devil a little bit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people don't realize that um, it's, it's kind of like in your house. If you just go to bed every night and you unlock the door, mm-hmm. you leave it shut, but you unlock it every night you go to bed. You don't know what's going to come through, but you're inviting something. Even though you're not specifically asking, you're inviting something to come in. 
right? Which is that's not great, necessarily great at three o'clock in the morning. It's not necessarily going to be a good guy. That's great. So, so when you're playing these games, when you're when you're when you're doing these things that are like seances and and just any kind of the tarot cards and the, the anything with the occult, even if you don't believe that. It's like I put no stock in that. But you do it, essentially you're opening the door. Mm-hmm. You're just you're unlocking the door and saying, Come on in. I don't believe you exist. And I, I think that um, you know, I think the devil would be happy if we all thought he didn't exist. Right. Right? Ultimately that, that becomes his He would take that dare. Oh yeah. Well in fact I think one some of the, the great proofs of the uh, devil's existence actually comes from if you look at the way in which Satanists celebrate their, quote, faith. Uh, you've got, for example, the Anton LaVey school of thought, which came about in the 1970s. I was just thinking about Anton LaVey. And, and, and he, <laughs> Why are you laughing, Tom? <laughs> we, we may have an idea of, sa- of, the, of a Satanist being somebody who actively believes in the existence of Satan and is worshiping this person, kind of similar to Rosemary's baby. But in fact, Anton LaVey, what his version was, an atheistic hedonism. Where, oh, we don't really believe in in um, God or in the devil. We b- become our own God and we worship ourselves, which is exactly what the devil would want. You oh, know, yeah, it's like, it. did you, I'm sorry, did he read Augustine to fi- figure out exactly what the devil would lay out mm-hmm. as being a theological, theologically well, correct account of mm-hmm. Satanism? What he essentially <laughs> does, what, what he essentially does there is he essentially destroys our lives anonymously. Yes. I mean, he he would love that because it's still the destruction. If the goal is the destruction of the individual, yes, then he succeeds whether we attribute it to him or not. Well, yes, absolutely. And in fact, the newest wave of Satanism is this group called the Temple of Satan, and uh, their that's focus, an actual religion. I mean, they call themselves a religion. Yes, they right? do. And in fact, they they one of the ways in which they practice their religion is by suing over matters of separation of church and state, right. like erecting a statue of Satan uh, wherever there might be a, a statue of the Ten Commandments. Uh, uh, another way they do it is to um, issue propaganda to make people who might feel unloved by the church and neglected right. by the church to say, ah, oh, well, you have a home with us. Right. And and so if you think about it, that's exactly, once again, similar to LaVey, it's a completely different strategy, but it's the sort of thing that the devil would use as a tactic. Uh, and especially when they're using it to attack the church and saying, let's all get together and attack this group that's making our society and making us worse off that's exactly the sort of thing you know the devil is described by paul as being the enemy of the church right and did they look through the bible and decide oh you know we really want to have a pauline account of of the devil here no the devil himself i believe influenced this movement just like he influenced the movement in the 1970s yeah. i think if you just look at that the theology so to speak uh that in itself is a proof well and people. i think they would agree because they are the temple of satan or whatever right so they would agree that they're, they're okay with admitting that right well, that the I, devil has, is well, influenced but they well, but do you they're, think they're, they really they're, don't they're, believe in satan no they're they're, just, they they profess the same atheism uh okay and that it's it's hip to call themselves that because it's taboo oh uh, because because they're just pa- basically poking a finger in your eye yeah but they still like erect the statues and and say you know prayers to him and stuff. Well, so all that stuff, mm. so all that stuff, you know, this kind of comes like to a head at Halloween, right? Because at Halloween, you start to see more of the activity, the more of the diabolical activity, because people kind of fall into things, mm. right? They, they, they fall into what would seemingly be harmless. And that's why we want to be careful about the seances, the Ouija boards, 
um, inviting it. Right, because you essentially just invite this opportunity for Satan. And all through life, you know, there really is, if if you believe in the devil, and I'm telling you, he exists. I mean, you really have to, <laughs> you really have to believe that, and, and and so then you don't want to invite him in, even if you're um, thinking it's like, well, this has nothing to do with the devil. Yeah, it's amazing how many things end up having something to do with inviting, just flirting, right? Just just messing with that stuff. Yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, and that and that's the that's the thing where it can be uh, it can be very very scary. Yeah, right. And, and so um, you know. When it comes to the normal Halloween frivolity that we have, there's really not much wrong with that. Uh, you know, I do like where we we will take what's going on and we and we turn it into a very spiritual focus where you can actually make Halloween a very sacred event. You really can have your kids dress up as saints, mm-hmm. right? And you know what? If you want to get a little avant-garde, a little crazy out there, you know, Saint Lucy, and she can walk around with her eyeballs on a little piece of a plate if you want the gory stuff. It's awesome. You know, it's, it's, uh, so there's like several saints who have been uh, beheaded. Saint Sebastian can have arrows sticking out everywhere. You know, if you want to go for that kind of thing, you can you can do that in a very holy way. Saint Lawrence? It's actually pretty uh, yeah, awesome. Exactly. I've never thought anybody who advocate that. Right. It's like, and so, and so then you can start to, you, you then laud the saints and at the same time, uh, your faith in God and you, you bring um, a reminder of our mortality and our dependence on God Almighty into um, a practice that normally a lot of people have sort of divorced from the sacred and turned into something else. So, um, and then things like like scary movies, mm-hmm. right? And scary movies, you know, is another thing that they, they can be extremely gross. And the vast majority of scary movies nowadays are slasher films. Is that what they call them? They just yeah, so ultimately yeah. they, all they are is um, a, a dose, a couple doses of human sexuality. You know. Uh, rampant and hyper, and then several doses of things getting slashed and cut and and killed and lopped off, and you know, and and ultimately for whatever reason they, they've they've as a genre of film. But then there's like the old films that I like, you know, the 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 haunting of such and such hill or whatever. And some of these uh, those are kind of good scary movies that I don't think that they make you dance with the devil. Well, The Exorcist, which addresses the devil head on, oh, no, I think that's has a good an apostolic one. element to it. And, yeah. and really, if you look, there's there's groups like the National uh, Catholic, various Catholic publications that will review movies and give you feedback as to whether or not... Yep. Amen, amen. So all in all, you know, Halloween can be a beautiful, blessed, sacred event and a lot of fun, right? And get creative, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to be aware where our kids are, what they're doing, don't let them dance with the devil. Don't leave your door unlocked at night. We don't want anyone to come in who is uninvited. Right? Good, Makes good sense? Stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, let's ask our mother to pray for us uh, this Halloween and every day. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, sinners now and in the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.